thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to The Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm incredibly passionate about, and it's why optimal nutrition is so incredibly important for shift workers. And to talk more about this topic, I've got a very special guest on the call today, Dr. Katrina Hurley, who is joining us all the way from Halifax, Nova Scotia in Canada. Katrina is an emergency doctor at the IWK Health Centre in Halifax, so has a lot of shift working experience working in the paediatric emergency department. She's also a certified culinary nutrition expert from the Academy of Culinary Nutrition and has a written, written a book called the OSCE and Clinical Skills Handbook, which is a clinical examination guide for new medical students. Her academic research interests include patient safety and transitions in healthcare, and she has a particular interest in nutrition to support shift workers. So to tell us more about optimal nutrition for shift workers, I'd like to give a warm Canadian healthy shift worker welcome to Katrina. Thank you. Hello. Welcome all the way over there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very glad to be talking to you today. Great. And and I have to actually make a special mention to Katrina, you're my actual very first international guest. So uh, very super special to have you here today. (laughs) And um, it was exciting for us to book this with all the time differences. Oh, absolutely. And it worked first go. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Which was great. So, yeah. But look, I I know um, I'm very much uh, grateful for you to be here, Katrina, because I know it's really late at night at Halifax. You've got the kids tucked into bed and no doubt you'd like to be getting ready for bed too, but you're here joining me on the podcast. So I do appreciate it. Well, Uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk to your audience. Great. Thank you. So I guess um, I'm particularly looking forward to talking to you Katrina because we are both incredibly passionate about shift work health in I guess in particular from a nutritional perspective given shift workers are prone to digestive and gastrointestinal complaints as we tend to eat at all different times of the day and night in addition to our nutritional intake and food choices I guess we could say are not always the healthiest and they often include takeaways and, and highly processed foods because of our sleep deprived lifestyle. So I'm just really intrigued just to get your perspective from a medical practitioner um, point of view. And I guess to open the the interview, I guess if we could uh, hear a little bit more about you, Katrina, because we've never met before, we've only kind of connected over the internet. What made you become a a physician and uh, and have your interest in um, working shift work? So I I started medical school in 1997, so I've been at this for a while. And I think you know, you're when you first make the decision to become a doctor, you're young and idealistic and. you don't have a vision really for what your life looks like down the road when you have a family and other responsibilities mm-hmm. outside, you know, your immediate interest in your career passion. Um, I had always had an interest in being an emergency physician in particular. At the time, you know, ER was really popular on TV. Oh. <laughs> and, and I can't say that I wasn't influenced by that. Wow, really? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But I have to say, it's not, it's not the way it looks like on TV, but it was very I'm inspiring sure. at the time. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, I, so I started uh, working in emergency medicine in 2002. And then as I, as my career kind of progressed, I became more interested in focusing on children as my population of interest. So I have worked exclusively 
with kids for the last seven years. And uh, unless I'm, I do moonlight in Haiti from time to time to do some relief work. So I'm making my fourth trip to Haiti this coming April. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, so I think the the nice thing about emergency medicine is you can get a fresh perspective by changing your scene and mm-hmm. um, and see like a completely completely different side of things. Um, but shift work over time, I have to say, in my twenties, shift work was in quotes no big deal. I could work <laughs> all night and all day, and then get up the next day and be reasonably okay. But since having since having kids and, you know, this, this is the year I turned 40, I must say my body does not adapt to things the way they used to. And a night shift can, you know, knock me on my butt for a good three days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it, it's, it's the second day after where I realized last year that, you know, I would feel kind of sad. I was like, why am I sad? Oh, yeah, I worked two nights ago. That's why I'm sad. <laughs> uh, yeah, it definitely affects our mood, the sleep deprivation, that's for sure. And, yeah, it messes us up. Yeah. And and having kids, obviously, on top of doing, you know, those sorts of night shifts, it's shift work, double whammy. <laughs> well, it is because, you know, your kids don't, they don't get it. I mean, they're little, but my mm-hmm. kids are 11 and, and I have seven-year-old twins and they don't, they don't get it when I work all night that I need to come home and sleep afterwards to them it just feels like I'm always going to bed (laughs) yeah of course yeah so you you still do those sorts of shifts now Katrina oh yeah it's Mm. it's a requirement of my career but by the time I'm 55 I can opt out of night shifts only 15 more years to go oh my goodness really (laughs) you can't before that it's a part no oh my it's just part I mean the emergency department has to be open 247 And um, so you need to have a staff that can provide that service. And once you're 55, if we have enough staff, then you can opt out of night shifts. Um, To make my life more, uh, let's see, more manageable, I don't currently do evenings. I only do days or nights, which means that I can always be at home for supper time. And, you know, to have that sort of family meal around the table, which is something that I've decided is important for our family. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. My sister actually is is a nurse and she spent many years working in the emergency department as well. So Mm. she could relate a little bit to that. But we, well, she's lucky that, yeah, I mean, she chose to go off onto a different path of nursing. So Mm -hmm. she doesn't do the night shift anymore. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear that you kind of, if you stay in yeah, that field, nursing, you're kind of locked into it. <laughs> nursing is more versatile like that because they can, they can change paths and still be a nurse. And I can't take paths. Yeah. Like I go retrain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Very good. Um, so I guess um, from a paediatric doctor perspective, um, in Australia, our medical doctor's don't really get taught nutrition in medical school, which kind of baffles me considering food is medicine. Um, so what really, and I, I don't know what that involves, you know, from a Canadian perspective, if you do get much training through medical school, but what prompted your interest in nutrition and specifically okay. to support um, shift workers? Actually, you're just crackling yeah. up a little bit there, oh, Katrina, maybe just that. adjust your... Um, maybe adjust my headphones here. Yeah. So the uh, in medical school in Canada in and Australia, that we get very little uh, education in nutrition. I, you know, I think maybe I had one lecture in medical school that was 
it's like a heart healthy diet and it focused on like the low fat diet essentially uh, which lots of research suggests now is not based on anything um, so I became interested in the health of shift workers you know I'd say it was inspired from a selfish perspective in a lot of ways because mm. I wanted to feel better at work and I see everybody else at work suffers in the very same way so when I I've been for the last three or four years, I've been doing just sort of a lot of independent uh, research in that, you know, searching through articles and finding information that seemed important. And then this fall, I took uh, the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program at the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, and I did all my projects around um, shift work health. Again, I'm not doing independent research. I'm just drawing on the research uh, community that's already out there. Yeah, that have already done the studies. Exactly. And yeah. there's lots of, there's lots of, there's not, there's, you can't find the perfect study mm. because nutrition research is so difficult to do. This, it's very hard to control for all the things that can confound it. Mm. Um, but there is a lot of research out there that you can draw on to, to help inform our opinions. Mm. Yeah, yeah, to... Um, relate them to a shift working environment I guess it's just really going into I guess how the whole sleep deprivation disrupts our whole biochemistry in so many different ways um, mm -hmm. and no doubt affects the absorption of the nutrients um, you know that is if we're giving our body good nutrients it's certainly that sort of a cascade effect um, that goes from there but I guess um, and you've already mentioned it before about the studies there are studies out there where um, shift workers have tend to have a much um, lower meal frequency and poor meal quality. Other research um, I've noticed is that night shift workers in particular have a, a higher significant amount of eating events, so they eat more often, which could be attributable to the weight gain um, for some people um, and lead towards that metabolic syndrome of obesity, hypertension, high blood close glucose levels um, etc and of course there's shift workers out there that kind of just run on coffee instead of food mm -hmm. um, what would you say are the biggest nutritional mistakes that you see amongst your own shift working colleagues and I guess don't worry you don't have to mention names here <laughs> but just <laughs> I would what say I've seen. seen all of those things that you've that you've just mentioned okay. I, I think that um you know, we certainly as shift workers, we don't ever get any training in how to look after ourselves. Mm, and it yeah. is an important thing, you know, I mean, even if we're not being taught nutrition from the perspective of counseling patients, I, I think as a, you know, in terms of workforce wellness, we ought to be given some tools and how to cope better with our, uh, with the lifestyle that we can't change. Mm. You know, if you're working in healthcare, you don't get to change uh, your lifestyle uh, for the most part because patients can be sick any time of the day or night. So I think the tools to make a healthier workforce would include, uh, you know, some improved nutritional practice. So people, I think, for the most part, I mean, there are some common sense things that, that you can do to, to eat better. But for the most part, people don't realize how you should eat for mm. a night shift. Mm. So they, you know, things like skipping a meal and going to bed and then eating in the middle of the night might seem like a reasonable strategy when, you know, really your body isn't prepared for that. Yeah. 
Exactly. So would you would you recommend that that is a good way to like so to eat much during night shift? Like what what do you do? No. So I think uh, well, I've been sort of I've been tinkering with it to get it right, but yeah. I, I think that the common mistakes that I see is people eating big meals um, in the middle of the night. Okay. And um, and and of course sometimes there's you know communal meal sharing, which tends to be you know, not of high quality. It's, you know, more like, I'll call it fun food. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, people are trying to like, you know, bring a little bit of, a, you know, fun to the shift. And yeah. so might bring like, I don't know, like a big plate of nachos and yes. sour cream. Yeah. And, and, you know, to bring some fun. And I think yeah. the gesture and the spirit of that is appropriate. Uh, but I don't think the food is going to make you feel good. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um, you know, what I've read that seems to be, a, you know, the most reasonable recommendation is to try to keep your big meals on your normal schedule so that you still eat supper around when you would normally eat supper, not at three in the morning. Because, you know, although you're awake, your body is settling down for the night, mm. even though you're awake. Mm. So you're not secreting like the right amount of acid, you're not secreting the right amount of insulin. And, uh, you know, you can't, your body can't cope with that load. Mm. So you're, you're better off to a bring your own food so that you're not committed to whatever food is available to you, uh, that you, you know, you have your own food and that in that way you can control the portion of your food and you get to control the quality of your food. Mm. And you want to have, uh, you know, you want to eat snacks in the night that are not like high carbohydrate snacks. You want a bit them to be a bit more balanced so that you don't have to depend on your insulin for that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, in the morning, you know, before you go to sleep, that's a good time for you to have your oatmeal, which is, again, like a bit more uh, carbohydrate because the your body is more prepared for that in the morning and it might even help you get to sleep. Mm. So what about having protein during the night just to, to keep awake? Does that help? I don't know that it really keeps you awake, but your body can digest it a little bit better. Mm. Now, I'm not talking about having a steak. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a good plan. No, <laughs> but, you know, like a more balanced uh, snack. So, like, let's say you're having, like, if you were having something like an oatmeal, you would, like, balance it out. So you've got, like, hemp seeds or maybe you add a little bit of protein powder to it. Something to balance it out so that you're not getting, like, just a full-on carb meal. Ah, uh, very. Yeah, so it's more macro um, nutrient balance so yeah yeah balanced fats, out. fats carbohydrates and proteins exactly yeah okay fantastic um well this leads me to um the next question as food affects our sleep um, in enormous way which is why consuming foods which are more easily digestible which you've already touched on as opposed to those which act more as stimulants so I'm thinking more about, you know, we're just about to get ready for bed here after night mm -hmm. shift. And you've already mentioned um, about oatmeal, um, mm -hmm. but also things like brown rice, pumpkin and sweet potatoes. All those sorts of things can be quite helpful uh, to eat just before sleep because they contain the amino acid tryptophan, which helps the body to relax and stimulate sleep. Mm -hmm. can... There's a great recipe for a pumpkin oatmeal. Oh, Okay, well, we'll have to get that off you. <laughs> yeah, pumpkin oatmeal. Okay. Yeah, it's a pumpkin. It's a pumpkin flavor. It's called pumpkin pie oatmeal or something like that. But it has like sort of a pumpkin pie spice, and it has like canned pumpkin in it as well. Oh wow! So if we Google that, we might be able to find it somewhere. 
Yep. I'll tell you how. (laughs) Oh, great. Thank you. We'll get that at the end of the interview. Um, So can you recommend anything else that would help? Um, it would help you get to sleep or it would yeah. help you in the middle of the night no, instead more of coffee? No, so, more so helpful help to fall asleep. So I'm thinking at that point where, um, you know, whether you've just done a night shift and you, you've come home and you're exhausted and you need to get some good quality sleep or perhaps you've got a hideous early shift of a 3 a.m. start or something, mm-hmm. just something mm. that's going to help you with your, your um, sleep. Yeah, so, uh, you know, something like something warming uh, can be very okay. helpful. So, um, you know, your, your body, especially like in the middle of the night is, is sort of your basal metabolic rate goes down. So you, mm. you kind of get a little bit cold mm-hmm. and most people who work night shifts know that at some point in the night, you kind of get cold, mm. uh, almost like you want to wrap yourself up in a warm blanket or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at that point is where often a lot of people will go for that cup of coffee. Yep. And that's going to have the opposite effect of what you want uh, at the time you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah. So something warming, like a, a, you know, something like a warm liquid, like a tea, uh, but something preferably non-caffeinated uh, can be just sort of warming and uh, relaxing and sort of help you kind of get into that more relaxed mode of sleeping. And there's so many options out there now for non-caffeinated teas. And I think as opposed to getting something decaf, you're better off with something herbal that isn't caffeinated in the first place mm. and um and that i think can can have you relax and get into that mode of going to sleep mm. and maybe even something like uh if they're not lactose in well lactose intolerant i was people. thinking about the warm milk but yeah. then a lot of people don't do dairy now yeah. so it's really it really depends but a warm glass of milk has been shown yeah <laughs> to be helpful in getting you to go to sleep yeah maybe we... i'm not sure it would be the same if it was non-dairy because i'm pretty sure the tryptophan is in the uh is in the is in the dairy milk mm. i wonder about almond milk or something like that if that i think it would be it would have a warming effect but i yeah. don't know if it would have the actual like um chemical effect. yeah yeah yeah, I guess people can just sort of bit of trial and error, see what works for them, I guess. See what works for them, mm, yeah. Very good. Um, now, I was reading an article the other day, also which kind of sparked my um, interest, about how overeating alters the core mechanism of the body clock, which as shift workers, my goodness, it's certainly already disrupted. But the study went into detail how uh, overeating throws off the timing of some of the body's internal signals, including our appetite control which involves our hunger hormones leptin and ghrelin which regulates the intake of our food but this becomes severely disrupted thanks to sleep deprivation i mean leptin um, makes us uh, feel full and ghrelin Mm -hmm. gives us that hunger but when we're sleep deprived the ghrelin hormone the hunger one goes goes up and the leptin one which makes us feel full goes down so mm-hmm. what advice can you give to our listeners on how to avoid that overeating, which can easily be done when working 24-7? I mean, because our, our meal breaks are also all over the place. Yeah, any tips there? Um, well, I was, uh, when you were talking about that, I was reminded of that study, which is probably, I think it's one of the same studies you mentioned, where they had people who were sleep deprived and they showed them pictures of food and asked them like which one they wanted to eat and when they were sleep deprived they were more likely to choose like the crappy food <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, as compared to choosing the healthy food so it's like your body is 
programmed to want the bad stuff uh, when mm. you're sleep deprived. It's like your defenses are down, your hormones are gone the wrong direction. And so you want to choose those bad foods. You know, most of us, when we work in a night shift kind of environment, there's not a lot of food available. Yeah. So other than vending machines, most cafeterias are shut down. Um, you know, unless you're ordering delivery from someplace that's open awfully late at night, you don't have a lot of two, four, seven options for food. Mm. Unless you want to be connected to the vending machine, I think that the I think the best option is to bring your own food. It is cost effective. I mean, way more cost effective than buying food from the vending machine or ordering out. Mm. And then you're in control of what you have. Mm. Uh, you know, then you you are committed to eating what you have. You're not going to overeat if you bring, you know, the amount of food that you think is appropriate to eat on your shift. Um, and then having some backup things like, uh, you know, like a handful of nuts, like cashews or something like that is, is helpful too, in case, you know, you just need something quick, um, you know, to, you have to munch on something before you go and do this other task. Uh, and then you're, you're in control of what that, of what that food is. Mm, I love that. That's, yeah, that's really good suggestion. Um, yeah, by, by having your own food. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. a little handful of cashews and stuff can certainly, I would imagine, be very helpful because every, you know, now and then you do get those little hunger pangs and you just need something. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, um, yeah, that will... And cashews are almost like you're taking an anti-inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a double effect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A double effect. Yeah, very good. Actually, one other thing... Um, my sister used to do, which I thought was quite clever. She actually intentionally leaves her wallet behind when she goes to work. That's a good idea too. So she literally. And you won't be. You won't be bamboozled into uh, into ordering something with your colleagues. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yeah, and you can't buy anything from the vending machine because you've got no yeah. money with you. So, yeah, that that kind of worked well for her. I mean, she eats a lot better now, but you know, it was just something that she brought in as a good strategy. So, yeah. Uh, obviously, um, the circadian disturbance or sleep deprivation not only affects our intake of food, as we've already spoken about, but it certainly affects the digestion and absorption of food, which can often lead to the gastrointestinal disorders, which I mentioned earlier in the call. Can you um, shed a little bit more light on this, Katrina, for us, what actually happens there? Digestion-wise? Yeah, and absorption. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, we touched on that before. So, you know, it's the, you're, you don't have the acid in your stomach that you would normally have. So it's not that you don't have any acid, but it's not the way it would normally be there. So you're not going to break down foods in the same way. Uh, Also, like, you know, the peristalsis of your gut, the actual like action of your food, of getting pushed around and pushed through your intestines uh, doesn't work the same at night because, again, your body is geared down and settled. Otherwise, you'd be getting up and having a poop in the middle of the night if you were <laughs> digesting all the time. Yeah, and uh, then um, and then you know your insulin is not there. You know, sort of breaking down uh, sugar and taking it into cells the way it normally would be, so that you're not able to um, to process, digest, and absorb foods the way you normally are. Because even though you're awake, your body is gearing down. So that uh, it's important that the foods that you eat are at least high yield foods because um, the oxidant stress that's created on your body just from being awake is pretty significant. So you Mm. want to counterbalance that. So it's almost like that anti-inflammatory, that antioxidant kind of effect, uh, I think, is very much appreciated by your body in those moments. 
Mm. And just for our listeners, what do you mean by high yield, Katrina? So by high yield, so you know, like there's there are high yield foods like um, turmeric as a, you know as an anti-inflammatory, and you can make like a like a turmeric kind of a tea that you could uh, drink in the middle of the night. And again, it's got an anti-inflammatory effect. It's got a warming effect at that time when you're starting to feel cold and chilly, um, and it's not caffeinated, so it's not going to keep you awake when your when your shift is over. Um, other mm. high yield foods like um, like blueberries. Um, I was talking about cashews, um, green tea, although, you know, green tea does have a little bit of caffeine in it. So sometimes I, I will use a little bit of green tea in a smoothie. So, um, make like a green tea and freeze it in ice cubes and then, uh, add a couple of ice cubes of green tea. So it's not a huge amount of green tea, but it does have, um, that little bit of uh, anti-inflammatory effect. And if you make yourself a smoothie that has kind of like a balanced bit of protein and fat in it too, then it can be, it can be filling, uh, but not heavy enough to, to make you feel awful. Mm, and because a, a smoothie's already been, I guess, pulverized for a better word. It is. <laughs> <laughs> your, your gut doesn't literally have to pulverize it itself. Yeah. Yeah, which certainly um, yeah eases a digestive system. Yeah, that's yeah some great tips there. So, what is your favourite go to recipe then, which you kind of uh, make during your your uh, night shift? Is that that pumpkin oatmeal pie you're referring to? Or have you got well, another I, one? there's a bunch of there's a bunch of oatmeals that I love, but the pumpkin pie oatmeal is a really nice one. It is. Um, are you familiar with uh, Angela Lydon from Oh She Glows? Oh yes, so I do. I, oh, yes, I have her book. Oh, yeah. she glows. Yeah, exactly. So she has on her on her. I don't think the pumpkin pie one is not in her book, but it's on her website. The pumpkin pie oatmeal, and she's got a carrot cake baked oatmeal, and there's the overnight oats that she has in the book that are delicious. Um, and so I, I do really like to have that nice breakfast in the morning. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm not normally a tea drinker, so I have been trying to get into the habit of drinking something warm at three or four in the morning when I start to get that cold kind of a feeling. Mm. And, um, and so the turmeric tea, uh, that I've, um, the rest, one of the recipes, there's many recipes you can find online, but on megantelpner.com, um, that has a nice turmeric tea that uh, you can bring and you can warm it up in the middle of the night. And I find that one to be tasty and also very good for you. That was Megan Telfer. Telpner, T-L-P-N-E-R. P-N-E-R. I think I've heard of her as well. Is she Canadian? Yes. She is, yeah. Yeah, both of those are Canadian. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, have heard about the Oshi Glow um, author and yeah, that Megan's surname is also familiar. So it's amazing <laughs> that, that, um, yeah. We- well, and there, you know, and honestly, when I, when I found your website, when I was, you know, looking into this stuff, it's like a kindred spirit, you know, really, you know, when you read Megan's website and your website, it's, you know, really everybody's on the same train. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, using food as medicine is, it really is, yeah. And I think it's lost on so many people that what you eat, you are what you eat. You know, you eat terrible food, you're going to feel terrible. Mm. But, you know, we're in a society that prioritizes time and uh, and people have lost the art of eating real food. Yeah, and cooking from scratch. Yeah. Mm. It's just kind of a lost art. And I, I mean, I can't say that I wasn't, I wasn't in that boat too. I, I think it all changed my oldest son, who's 11, you know, he, he ate 
you know, some bad food when he was little. <laughs> and my girls who are seven, they didn't. So, you know, they were like, what is craft Dinner? I've never had that. <laughs> um, versus, versus my older son says, uh, when are we ever going to have that again? Because <laughs> uh, he's tasted it before. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I kind of had a revolution. Like, uh, you know, when my girls were about two, I'd say so about, about five years ago, I had a revolution where I realized, boy, this is something's got to change. And that was based on, you know, a, a, a personal history of uh, colon cancer in my family and then being identified as having a polyp and getting turned down for life insurance, you know, at the age of 35, I'm uninsurable. And, uh, and I wow. said, wow, well, I better do something to, to make sure that the food is going in me is going to make me healthier. Wow, because you were predispositioned to developing colon yeah. cancer? Yeah, because I'm predispositioned. And, you know, I may never develop it, but I figure it's inspiration for uh, sticking around as long as I ought to to see these kids through. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to, one thing, um, because I'm a third-year nutritional medicine student, so I'm a long way behind yourself, but um, one thing that has amazed me when I've been studying is that how incredibly adaptable the human body is it puts up with so much and can put up with so much for so long Um, and it'll no doubt give us little clues and symptoms like you know the migraine headaches or you know the the different pains and uh, you know uh, I guess uh, eczema or something external that we can see but it keeps soldiering on and it's not until like you just mentioned that um, you know you might start to see the more serious sort of clues coming in like the polyp so we can either ignore them and just continuing don't going down that path or we can actually do something about it so it's yeah really good that that you've you know decided to take some action obviously your kids are the, are the motivation but I'm I'm pretty sure that I know there's a lot of medical practitioners out there that yeah even in their field they they they, they won't necessarily do what you've done and and you know learn more about from the nutritional perspective well, because it's not conventional. Yeah. It's just not conventional wisdom at the moment. Mm. It's it's a society that prioritizes time. And, you know, most people are keen to fix things with medicine. Mm. And they're, they're, they seem more apt to fill a prescription than to realize that, you know, maybe the answer is in the grocery store. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I could talk to you for hours, Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's a kindred spirit. Yeah. <laughs> sure is. Sure is. Okay, well, and just before um, we're getting close to wrapping up shortly, but I just wanted to ask you a completely different question um, because I'm a bit of a mad traveller and I'm sure a lot of my listeners are too. What would be your favourite holiday destination in Canada and why? I guess for any of us people that you know would like to visit Canada, I've been to Vancouver a few times and Toronto. Have you got a hot spot that you would recommend? Well, I don't know if I would call it a hot spot. But of it course. Is a really in- Canadian. It's not hot. It's for sure not hot. But it is a really incredible spot. I'm Like I mentioned before that I'm actually from Newfoundland. Yes. Um, and even though I grew up in Newfoundland, Newfoundland itself is an incredibly diverse uh, island. And I had never been to the Northern Peninsula. And I took my kids there last June and it blew my mind. The Northern Peninsula of Newfoundland is incredibly beautiful. Just just astounding natural beauty, you know, fjords mm. and um, icebergs 
and very, very beautiful. So there's a national park there called Grossmoor National Park and a UNESCO World Heritage Site at the very top of Newfoundland called Lansa Meadows where the Vikings first landed on the, in North America. Wow. And uh, it's just, just astounding beauty. Wow. That sounds... I can't believe I lived my whole life in Newfoundland and never saw it before. <laughs> oh, that happens. I've never been yeah. to Ayers Rock. I live in Australia. <laughs> it's funny. You don't get to see the things that are, that are, that are right in your neighborhood. Yeah. So yes. I would, I would highly recommend it if you're, if you're into just, you know, natural beauty. Oh, that definitely sounds a bit of, um, a bit of us. My husband and I have been to Alaska. So we've sort of been a little bit exposed to the ice part. But, yeah, that sounds breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. Mm. There was snow there in June. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. And that's the thick of summer. Yeah, well, it's the beginning of summer, okay. so it hadn't quite melted off yet. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That just sounds incomprehensible cold for me. <laughs> it was incomprehensible even to us. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> But we did go camping nonetheless. Oh, you're joking. Oh, my goodness. It was really nice, though. Oh, 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 look, I'll have to take your word for that. My husband just cannot get me to go camping even in summer. So I'll take for that. Well, it was my husband's first time. Um, I told my kids it was was more like we went glamping. Yes. We did have, uh, you know, a very, very nice accommodation. Oh, very good. Okay. That sounds a little bit more... um, bearable I suppose but yes. um, but fun yeah very good okay well um I guess Katrina what would be your best piece of advice that you could share with our listeners in regards to nutrition for shift workers is there one other piece of advice you'd like to add before we wrap up no I don't think I have a new piece of advice I'd just reiterate to take your own food mm-hmm. to work and drink something warm in the middle of the night perfect Perfect. Excellent. So how can people find you, uh, Katrina, if they uh, would like to get into contact with you and, and sort of learn more about you and what you're doing? And perhaps even, um, I know you've written a book that is specifically targeted to a certain uh, group of people, but yeah, is there any way that people can get hold of you? I would say that, uh, you know, my, my life choice has been to stay away from social media, but I can easily be found on Google. So if you Google, you know, Katrina Hurley, then there's a good chance that my face and my book and, uh, you know, my university affiliation in Nova Scotia will pop up and you can find me there. Fantastic. Excellent. And that's probably a good thing too, being a, keeping a low profile on social media because it can certainly uh, consume us if we're not careful. <laughs> exactly. Mm, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so very much, Katrina, for joining me today. I guess, or in your case, it's night time. Uh, it's been fascinating talking to you. It's such a shame we live so far apart, um, as I'm sure I could have quite a few good chats over a cup of coffee with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been incredibly informative, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed uh, hearing your uh, medical practitioner's perspective as well. Thank you very much. I'm really glad that uh, that we got to have this chat. Yeah, very good. Okay, so that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback, and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit the Wellness Couch at wellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit, and you can also leave us a five-star rating in the iTunes store, which will help me to spread the healthy shift worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. If you'd like access to more free resources, including my newsletter, just visit my website, healthyshiftworker.com, and enter your name and email address. 
Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. And until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.